God is truthful, and um, what I want to do is just start with prayer, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Father God, we are going to try to understand you better this evening. We thank you that you're here with and in us, and we pray that your spirit will help the scriptures and the principles and ideas that we talk about this evening uh, be, be more real to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I want to start with a couple things before we get to what's on your printout. And there's printouts in the corners if you don't, if you don't, or near the doors if you don't have those. <clears throat> this is from John chapter 18, and Jesus is before Pilate, and Pilate has asked, uh, "What have you done?" And Jesus answered, "My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews." But my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And then I think um, I wanted to introduce that just we are in a time where everybody has their truth. Yeah. And uh, so what we're talking about this evening is truth with a capital, all caps. So when we hear truth, when we hear true, when we hear faithful, when we hear these kinds of terms, I want us to be thinking in all caps, not this is what my truth is, this is what your truth is. There is truth in all caps, and, and, and there is not truth. And that's the two distinctions there are. And not truth can look a lot of different ways. And so but we're talking about spiritual things here, and that is sort of the category. So let's, um, I would call on some of you to read these, but because the time situation we've got, I can't do that. I know you're deeply saddened by that, but, but um, um, I've, I've always thought of truth, true God, as opposed to false God, or the real God versus the not real God. And this is, this, doing this uh, section of material has been helpful for me to understand that better myself. So this is not true as in not false. This is true as in a, a quality of the character of who God is and that what flows out of him is truth, truth. And what he says and what flows out of him is faithfulness and that he follows up with what he said. And so truth and faithfulness, you'll see those those ideas here in the verses that we read. And I think especially this evening, all the time, but this evening we're looking at truth and these principles and looking at scriptures related to those as we do each other week. But this is even more important because we're reading scripture that God gave us to understand who he is. And if we don't use that, we're just guessing. I mean, that's, that's, just, that's just how it is. So, so John, 1 John, just on the first page there under the cool picture. 1 John 5.20, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, 
And we are in him who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God, all caps, true, and eternal life. And then uh, Mr. Pink down there, far above all finite comprehension is the unchanging faithfulness of God. Remember, faithfulness is, is following through. It's doing, it's being true in your actions. Everything about God is great, vast, in, incomparable. He never forgets, never fails, never falters, never forfeits his word. To every declaration of promise or prophecy, the Lord has exactly adhered. Every engagement of covenant or threatening, he will make good. And if we look in the Old Testament, he made multiple covenants and he made many promises and those are true and those are available in, in many cases for us today. So we've looked at several attributes already in these first couple weeks and you see those listed here and you see the categories that those attributes are, communicable and incommunicable. So basically are those things that we can do or have as a part of us or not. And this one that we're talking about being true is a communicable attribute, something that God wants us to engage in as well. And so God is truthful. God's truthfulness is not something external to his character. Truthfulness is his very nature. It's, it's not a, out of his truthful character, his truthful words and his faithful actions flow. It's not something he does, it's who he is. So, so when he speaks truth, it's it's an overflow of who he is. He, it's not just truthful words. They're, they're not distinct. And I think the, uh, what Packer says down here below, truth in the Bible is a quality of persons, primarily and of propositions only secondarily. So if we, if we look at the verse, uh, we'll have it later on, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so out of the abundance of God's being, we get truth because he is truth. And so as we see that concept, that idea float through some of the things we're talking about, we're going to see that come up again. It means stability, reliability, firmness, trustworthiness, the quality of a person who is entirely self-consistent, sincere, realistic, undeceived. God is such a person. Truth in this sense is his nature. He has not he has not got it in him to be anything else. That is why he cannot lie. That is why his words to us are true and cannot be other than true. They are the index of reality. They show us things as they really are and as they will be for us in the future according to whether we heed God's words to us or not. Bavnik, truth truthful. It is an attribute of God's will as well as of his mind. It indicates both that God is the true God over all other false gods and that he is faithful to his promises. Scripture everywhere teaches God's veracity. And so you see another word for uh, truthful there. Grudem, God's truthfulness means that he is the true God and that all his knowledge and words are both true and the final standard of truth. And so you see some, besides truthful there, you see a couple other words pop up. Uh, veracity, that's an older word for truthful. Faithfulness, that is, you see that in here where God is acting in a true way. They use the word faithfulness. And reliable, 
and uh, sometimes reliability because we associate that with machines and things like that. That may not be the most meaningful word for us to use, but that idea of of self of consistent self consistent with what he says. So we see this through scripture as it talks about God. Deuteronomy seven nine. Know therefore that the God, the Lord your God, is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. Later in Deuteronomy thirty two four, the rock, His work is perfect for all His ways are just. The, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is He. Amen. Amen. Psalm 119.90, your faithfulness endures to all generations, and we're a part of those all generations. You have established the earth, and it stands fast. Isaiah, he who takes an oath in the land shall swear by the God of truth. So you speak, speaking of him as a God of true, of faithful, uh, the God of truth. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living and everlasting King. At His wrath the earth quakes and the nations cannot endure His indignation. Thus shall you say to them, the gods who did not make the heavens and the earth shall perish from the earth and from under the heavens. It is He who made the earth by His power, who established the world by His wisdom and by His understanding stretched out the heavens. The start. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. Uh, Lamentations 3, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. In Hebrews, we hear more about his faithfulness. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. That's part of those precious promises that he's given us. He who promised is faithful. So one of the things that's interesting when you look up faith, faithful or to act faithfully or to be faithful in the, in the New Testament, you don't find it associated with humans very much. You find it associated with God regularly, multiple times. But you're looking up there for people to be called faithful is very... I'll say, in unique in Scripture for people to be called faithful. For God to be called faithful, He's called faithful lots of places. But this is not something that is innate to our being. As we get down to some other verses here, we'll see sort of our, our bent is, is not in that same, in that same way. It, it talks about Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father through me. And of the Spirit... The Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. So we have the Father, we have the Son, Jesus, and we have the Holy Spirit all called true or truth. And so those are, those are that's the Trinity. All parts of the Trinity have this attribute and evidence this attribute in who they are. Under aspects of his truthfulness, he is the only true God. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 10, 9 and 11 talks about the true God versus false gods more. Beaten silver is brought from Tarshish and gold from Upaz. They are the work of craftsmen and of the hands of the goldsmith. Their clothing is violet and purple. They are the work of skilled men. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. 
At his wrath, the earth's quake and the nations cannot endure his indignation. He is the true God as opposed to the false God. He's the real one. He's the, he is the definition of what God is. There isn't any other. Uh, in in uh, some parts of the Old Testament, prophets says, so tell me about those other gods that you're, you know, there's not any gods. I don't need a name because there's only one. I mean, this is, this is, this is what you see with, with uh, God speaking. So in John 17, 3, this is eternal life that you know the only true, capital T-R-U-E, true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. All his knowledge is true. So he is knowing and he knows what is true. He is, he, is the, he is not mistaken. He's true in his understanding of all things. He's not mistaken in his perceptions or his understanding of anything. And I think as we reflect on this, we just have to put ourselves in here a teeny bit of how mistaken and how lack of understanding and how all these kinds of things pervade us. But he, he is true in his understanding of all things. So when he speaks, he knows what he's talking about and he speaks truth. Job 37, 16, do you know the balancing of the clouds and the wondrous works of him who is perfect in knowledge? He knows all. He knows it, and he knows exactly how it truly is. All his words are true. Because of his very nature is truth, all his words are true. This is where we go back to out of the Luke 6, the good person out of the good treasure his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. So we're talking about who the, who the, the character, who the, who the person is, the, what overflows out of them is in this case evil or good. God is truth. What overflows out of him when he speaks or when he acts based on what he spoke and is true and faithful. Let me shift over. He's speaking about his words are true. In 2 Samuel, and your words, and now, O Lord God, you are God. Your words are true, and you have promised this good thing to your servant. In Psalm, the words of the Lord are pure words like refined silver in a, in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. The words of the Lord are pure words. Psalm 119, the sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. In John 17, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. In Titus 1-2, and hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. Let me find the... I'm going to shift over from this. When God speaks, he speaks the truth. And on the next page, one of my favorite verses, Numbers, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? Amen. We read this as what he has spoken. And there are, there are parts of that that are for us. I mean, it's all for us. But I mean, there are promises and things that are specifically for us. And so when he speaks, it's, it's God who never lies. He's not mistaken. He's not 
gosh, I got that. I didn't understand it fully. He's not in that situation. He knows all. His understanding's perfect. He sees beginning to end. And when he speaks, it is, it is true. So we believe the, God, the Bible, God's revelation to man is inspired, infallible, and inerrant. So inspired. God gave it through the individuals who wrote this, lots of individuals who wrote this across hundreds and thousands of years. So it is infallible and inerrant. It's what God intended for it to be written. And it is as best as best we can get it down and exactly go back to documents. We have tried to, not we as in me, but we as man have tried to put that down for us to read. And the people who translate this into other languages are trying to do the same thing because the words of God have power. Um, one of my friends is a Bible translator and he has had to, he almost had to stop because he, he concern over translation, translating poorly. Better to have a millstone put around your neck than to lead people off astray. And it, it, it caused problems. It caused issues for him. So that's the weight, the weight that he felt with what's going to be carried on after he's gone for those people. He's the ultimate standard for truth. There is no higher standard for truth. Since God is truth, he knows all truth, everything he says and does is true. He is our standard for truth. This, as a, as a side note here, this is very interesting because when we don't agree with him, we are putting ourselves as a standard over God as truth. That's, that's what we're doing. So that's, that's true. Not this little little case true, but I mean, that's, we're, we're judging truth by our standard and what we like or don't like. How does this attribute change how we live? Um, we, we need to immerse ourselves in truth. We receive lots of um, information, messages, stuff from all kinds of places. And, and those messages, while they may not be intentional lies, they're not truth in the same way that God provides truth. So we should have a, a study diet. One of, the, one of the fellows, this is a friend of mine, he used the word information diet one time. We are, we are formed by the information that we take in and our mind is formed just like our bodies formed by the food diet that we take in. And so if we, if we don't take in a lot of truth, then we are unable to discern what God's saying or recognize it when we see it or see contrary to it in, in our regular life, in our daily life. So we need to immerse ourselves in truth. John 17, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Prayer by Jesus that we be sanctified by washing us with the truth regularly. We believe that God, that this is, this is sort of a derivation. We believe what God has revealed about himself we believe what God has revealed about himself is true. So when, when God said, this is what's true about me, like we're studying attributes, and some of those attributes are hard to understand or we do not like them. But if this is what God says about himself, then we should be thinking maybe we don't define that. Maybe we don't understand that attribute. Maybe we're not thinking about it correctly. Um, maybe we are putting a layer of how we see or how we know people who act or how the term is used in our society. We should believe what God says about us is true. About us before we're believers 
This is our state. This is who we are. We're not all basically good, wonderful people that are, you know, that's, that's not true. And after we come to Christ, after we follow Jesus, you can still not believe that God sees you as his child, as a beloved child. And so both of those things are true, different, different stages for, for us, but we need to believe what God says about us is true. We need to gladly submit to the authority of his word. It's true. In Psalm 119, you see some words in here where it's written, and, and I delight, and I've, I'm spending this time doing this, beholding wondrous things. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With your lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I might live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. That's a, that's a prayer to approach scripture with. Open my eyes, my, my spiritual eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your word an expectation to go there and he meets us and shares something special. We believe his promises. It is probably important to know and to think, is this a promise for me or not? So that's a good question to ask for promises, but we believe his promises that are for us. God will never break a promise. If he has spoken a promise, he has spoken truth. And he is faithful to follow up on that. And the, the verse from Numbers, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? Every word of God proves true. Jim Proverbs 30. Every word of God proves true. So we see part of the writing of uh, J.I. Packer there. How does God's faithfulness show itself by his unfailing fulfillment of his promises? He is a covenant-keeping God. He never fails those who trust his word. Now, we, we may not know when or how or exactly what it will look like when God will be faithful, but we can trust that he will uh, we, we can look at the examples that are in the Old Testament of promises that are made. You're going to have a son. And that is fulfilled later. And if I remember correctly, it's like 25 years later. He, he wasn't delayed. It was right in his timing. So he, he spoke it. Um, he followed through. But we have to let him do that when, when he plans to do that and in the way he desires. Now, God's faithfulness to his promises brings either hope or fear. And so we see Joshua speaking. Joshua, who led the Israelites into the new, to the new uh, Israel and what became Israel, and they warred against the tribes that were there, and um, God was on their side. And then he is, he is dying. And so he's speaking to all the people who are going to be remaining and leading after him. 
And he says, I'm about to go the way of all the earth, and you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. But just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you. If you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given you. And that is, they saw lots of challenges, invasions, all kinds of things until they were actually shifted out of that land because of that very thing. God's promises are, are there and, and we, like those, we like those when they're for good things and we want to deny those when they're things that we don't want to hear. But God will follow through on what his promises are. God's faithfulness is the grounds for both hope and for fear. This is a communicable attribute. God calls us to walk in truth. In 2 John, I rejoice greatly, John writes, to find some of your children walking in the truth just as we were commanded by the Father. So they're walking in truth. And I would, when they use truth here, I would think that's truth, that's faithfulness, that's speaking the truth, that's, that's actions in a lot of in a lot of different ways that would be evidence. And so what does this look like in our lives? Well, broadly, we are expected to reflect God as his children. We, we, we are to reflect God. So we are to speak truth, which you'll see down here. Speak truthfully. Do not lie to one another, saying that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. We are new creations, and we are being renewed into his image, the image of our creator. In Ephesians 4, 5, put away falsehood. Let each of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. When we lie, we dishonor God and diminish his glory, for we are those created in God's image and created for the purpose of reflecting God's glory in our lives we are acting in a way that's contrary to God's own character when we don't speak the truth. Maybe there's sometimes that just keeping our mouth closed is a better, a better way to go if we to avoid that. <clears throat> Show love for truth and a holy hatred for falsehood. Proverbs 13, 5. The righteous hates falsehood, but the wicked bring shames and disgrace. The righteous hate falsehood. So it's a desire for truth, to see truth lifted up and presented. And then number three, strive to act faithfully. Remember, to be true is to speak truth, to speak truthfully, and to follow up with what you said, to act faithfully. And so strive to act faithfully. Faithfulness is one of the fruit of the Spirit. We don't have it in us to do that. It's not something... Oh gosh, today I'm different. I can act faithful in everything that I've, every way that I can. God gives, grows in us the, the fruit of the spirit of faithful, faithfulness. And that's why we are able to do, 
to, to act in that way at all. Proverbs twelve twenty two: Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are His delight. So to act faithful is to make God smile. It's a delight. And Proverbs written a long time ago, somehow I'm thinking that, I don't know, Proverbs, if this is the time of David, that's 2,500 years ago roughly. Somehow I'm thinking that that is applicable now. That we would still be his delight. Acting faithfully still brings delight to him. In Matthew uh, 25, uh, 23 and 19, 17, you see the parable of the, the servants that have been entrusted with, with things. And uh, they act in a faithful manner and God commends them. That God or the master commends them for acting faithfully with what they have been given. We've all been given different things. We're to act faithful with what we've been given. So... Uh, the challenge that's there is one thing to accept the faithfulness of God as a divine truth. It's quite another to act on it. God has given us many exceeding great and precious promises, but are we really counting on his fulfillment of them? Do we really expect God to follow through on what he said that he would do or how he said he would act? Are we actually expect him to do for us all that he has said? Are we resting with implicit insurance on these words? He is faithful that promised. He is faithful that promised. Uh, There's some questions on the back here, so we'll we'll break up in our groups in a minute. But I I think an interesting question to, to roll off of this is, what evidence is there that our lives are different because we believe God and his words are true? What evidence is there of that? And uh, I've been, as we close, I've been listening to uh, some uh, podcasts about some people who have become Christian, Christians in the Muslim world, and they're they're they hold on to verses, and we're not talking the whole Bible. We're talking to verses like their life depends on it. Because in some cases, their life depends on it. Um, They hold on like that. They don't have the whole thing. They've just got part or they just have a sliver of what they've got. They hold on to that because their life depends on that. And uh, we're in a different situation here. We're not under persecution and and excommunication from family and all these kinds of things that some of those people are. But do we have verses that we hold on to like our life depends on it? That's it. So what we're going to do is we'll separate into the three groups, the men's group, which is over there, and the, the couples group, which is over there, and the ladies group, which is over there. So it's time to go over there. All right. So that means we're dismissed. We are dismissed. <laughs>